how not to be a cynical Christian. Have you ever heard that word cynical? I know you, many of us have. None of us in this room I know at all have ever been cynical in anything in our life, but we will talk about that in a minute. You know, it reminds me of a story, and it's a very familiar story, but it's about a man that lives on a beach. He lives in one house, and then beside him is his neighbor. He lives in another house. And every day, the man in this house, he's over here, the tide goes down, and, and the neighbor always looks and says, I wonder what he's doing. And so what the guy, the tide goes down real far, and the man goes out as far as he can to the water, and every once in a while, he just bends over, picks up something, and throws it. And then he walks down the beach, and he does this for like two or three hours a day. And so he goes, and he bends over, he picks up something, and he throws it. And so that's what he does. And so the guy's watching him. And day after day after day after day, month after month, and year after year, every time the tide would go down, a man would walk out. He would walk as far as he could to the water, bend over, pick up something, and throw it in the water. And he did it. So this neighbor said, well, I'll tell you what. I've been watching this for years. And it's really bugging me what he's doing. And so what he did is he says, I'm going to follow this guy. So, you know, like that's really sneaky or something. So he, he comes out of his house and he sits there and the guy goes out to where the tide is and he's watching the guy and he reaches down and he picks up something and he throws it and the guy goes, what are you doing? Every day, day after day, month after month, year after year, I've seen you walk out, you pick up something and you throw it out. Let me see, what are you throwing out there? Of course, some people have heard this. He reached down and he picked up, and what did he pick up? A starfish. He picked up a starfish. And he says, what are you doing that for? That's not going to help anything. He says, well, because the starfish, they, they'll die unless they're in the water. So what I'm doing every day is I'm going out and I'm picking up the starfish and throwing them back in the water. And the guy said, well, you're crazy. He's being a little cynical. He says, you're crazy because there's no way in the world, it doesn't matter how many starfish that you throw into the ocean, you're not going to get all the starfish. And the guy says, well, that's where you're wrong. And he picks up the starfish and he goes, it matters to this one. It matters to this one. And he throws it in the water. And so what I'm trying to say to us tonight as we talk about how not to be a cynical Christian is this. The starfish represents the people of the world and the people of the world are the people that God has created and God loves with all his heart the man in the the man in the house is the man that goes out and what he's doing is what God's asked him to do and that is to try to reach as many people as he can reach and try to do that and yet some of us find ourselves in the place of the other neighbor and where we watch and see what's going on in life, and we become critical and questioning about what's going on. I believe in my heart, as we get to this place in the Bible study, and this is where I kind of just share how I came about this, because I catch myself, but I believe that we are at a crossroads in the Christian church today, and I'll tell you why. I believe that Satan's hand right now is on this world, which we know Satan's hands are controlling the world anyway. But I believe Satan's hand is on this world in such a way 
that what happens is because of what the times that we're living in today, what is happening in our society is people are becoming more and more angry. People are becoming more and more cynical. Now, when I say cynical, what do I mean? I mean critical. I mean questioning, looking, judgmental. You could even use that word when you look at cynicism or when you look at what the word cynical means. Really what cynical is, is it is believing that people are motivated by their self-interest and they really are. They're distrust. They don't trust anybody and they have their own self-interest. And so what happens is, is that they're going through life. Someone that's cynical is going through life and someone that is cynical is saying things and judging people and saying things that come out of their mouth that maybe really God probably wouldn't agree with or God wouldn't want us as Christians to do that. Does that make sense? And I think what's happening in our society today, and I think you all can agree with me, is that we're seeing this happening right in front of our eyes, even as young as the children that are growing up in, in school to the teenagers and how they're living. And then what happens with the adults is we watch media and we watch the news. Now, I'm going to personally tell you this. In my, I had to personally, in my spiritual walk, I had to stop watching the news. Does that make sense? Now, I looked, I look at the news in the daytime, but I had to, as a Christian, I had to stop watching the news because what would happen is I would watch the news and I would feel this just uneasiness growing up inside of me and I could I very easily could become very cynical and say things about whatever I did not agree with does that make sense to you what I'm saying now I know we all have agreements and we all have disagreements but I believe this I believe like the man who was going out to the starfish our job and our duty as a Christian is to reach the eight, mil, 8 billion people that are in this world. And I believe that God says to us, and I'll share these scriptures in a minute, I believe that God shares to us in the scriptures that we as Christians, we have to be the people in this world that rise above any kind of cynicism or criticism or judgmental attitude toward anybody in the world because I believe that God has a plan for our life and that plan is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world. Does that make sense? Amen? And so what I think can happen, if it can happen to me, I know it might happen to some of us, to where we see what's going on in society, and some of us, we get this uneasy feeling inside of us, and our minds start going to those things. And then before we know it, we're making some sarcastic remark about another person, or we're making a sarcastic remark even about the church or we're making a sarcastic remark about a teacher or we're making a sarcastic remark about a politician or we're doing this or we're doing this and what happens is is the devil gets us in that role what happens is we have just moved into the realm of being a cynical Christian and so I'm saying today I believe that God is calling us with this scripture and with this Bible study, with this time that we're having to hear, is to call us as Christians to a new way of living. And that new way of living is the way that Jesus Christ asked us to live as Christians. 
Because what will happen is this. If we let the world and the philosophies of the world get into our minds and get into our hearts, what's going to happen is we're going to lose what God really wants us to do as Christians and as someone who is saved by His grace. So I'm going to look at some scriptures tonight. I want you to share open with me. Let's open to Galatians first. Galatians 6. Because I want to share with you something that the Bible says about what God wants us to do in our lives when it comes to living as a Christian. Because here it is. As a Christian, our job is to share the love of Jesus Christ to the world. Do you agree with that? To share Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who rose three days later, and now has conquered sin and forgives us for our sins. Even when we were on Monday, Thursday, the service that we had, the commandment was to love one another. And the way that people are going to know whether we're Christians or not is by our what? Love. I mean, we even sing a song, and they'll know that we are Christians by our love. And so what I'm saying is there's some things that we have to do in our lives and we have to pray in our lives to God and ask God, I want you to make me this type of Christian. And the first one's in Galatians 6, and we're going to be looking in verse 8. So if you look in Galatians 6, verse 8, it says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows of the Spirit, and they will reap everlasting life. Now here it is right here. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those that are in the household of faith. So the Bible is saying in this scripture, along with 2 Thessalonians 3.13, where it just basically says, but for you, brethren, do not grow weary and doing good, then what it's trying to say right here is this. It is saying and encouraging us this, that as Christians, one of the things that we have to do is this. We have to ask God every day, God, for me to be able to have your will be done here on this earth, God, you have to let me be able to do good to all people. Does that make sense? Do you know how hard that is? And see, this is where I believe the devil's trying to get us today. And if it gets inside of the church, and if Christians become cynical and judgmental and, and have this negative attitude towards certain people and this person and this person, even in the church or even outside of the church, then you see what's going to happen. After a while, the one place, the one institution that Jesus Christ wants to be the institution that shares the gospel with the whole world becomes the institution that just becomes like the world and then we start falling apart from the inside. Because see what the scripture in Galatians said? It says, do not grow weary of doing good. And then it says, now that's for everybody. That means wherever you go, whatever you say, Whatever you do, you must try to do good and bring good about through the name of Jesus Christ. 
But then it's saying this, but even more than that, you need to be good, never grow weary of doing good, especially to the household of faith. So we have a responsibility, not just to the world, because we know what our responsibility to the world is. Our responsibility to the world is to win the lost people and tell them about Jesus Christ and they'll get saved. But we also know that our job as a Christian, especially in the household of faith, what that's talking about is everybody in this room. That means I have to be extra good to you. That means there should be no place in the church of God, in the universal church of God, which would come down also to the institutional building of God, the churches that we call, but there would be no place that there could be any room for cynicism or criticism or judgmental attitudes toward anybody. That's hard, isn't it? And see, the devil knows that. So I think what it is, is the devil tries to get us in this mood, in this mode by, and, and I'm not saying that, because I watch TV and all this, but, but in my case, in my case, it was me watching the news. I would watch CNN and Fox, and then they would, I wouldn't know where I was. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, and then I would feel this inside of me, and I'd feel this pressure, and I just, oh, I can't. So finally, I told Nikki one day, I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't watch this news anymore. I mean, I have to know what's going on in the world, but I do that through print, and that's a lot easier because I don't have to read a lot of stuff through print. But what I'm saying is the devil can do that with our minds. And in a minute, I'll share kind of a simple song that we can remember that helps us with that. But in our lives here, that's what that scripture says. Now, that's two scriptures. And those scriptures really talk about what is good. It's talking about doing what is good. It is saying that, listen, it's going to be tiring to do good. It's hard doing good, isn't it? It's a lot easier on 225 to get in front of that car and start going really, really slow because they were tailgating you. It's a lot easier to do that than do what is right. Does that make sense? And see, what he's saying is do not grow weary and doing good, because the world, and let's not be fooled by this, the world is not a Christian world. The world belongs to the devil. And yet God's in control. And so he's saying to his children in his church, be good. He's saying, do not grow weary in being good. And then, how, how's one of the ways that we can do that? Well, that's if you turn to Psalm 141.3. I've had to really read this a lot. Here's what it, this is one of the ways to never grow weary in being good. Psalms 141.3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. So one of the ways to never grow weary in being good is let's, really, let's be really careful what we say. Let's be careful 
what comes out of our mouths. So you see where I'm going here? I'm saying that the world, the two things about the world is this. They're very judgmental. The world can be very judgmental. And the world really just kind of says whatever they want to say. Does that make sense? Well, God is saying to us from these scriptures, you do good. And then God says to us, you be very, very, very careful what comes out of your mouth. Does that make sense to us? Now, when I started doing this, I said, well, I don't know if I really want to do this because I have to, I mean, I was getting convicted. I go, well, I'm not supposed to be getting convicted on my own sermon, but yet it's the same way. I know all of us are in the same boat. And so the two points I put down for you to have before we move on is this. Number one is this. We should always work at doing what is good and right. When you got up this morning, did you ask God to give you the strength to do what is always good and right? Now let me explain that. When I say to do what is good and right, I have to define what good and right is. And yet, when I say that, I say to myself, wait a minute, I don't have to define what good and right is. Why do I not have to define what good and right is? Does anybody know? Because it's already defined. See, it's already defined in the Word of God. And the Word of God, and the true good and right, what he's saying here is this, my job is just to go out today and love people. My job is to go out and love people. Not to be critical. Not to be angry. Not to have tension. But to go out and do what is good and what is right. And so that's the first point. The next point is this. The next point, we, we should always work at speaking those things that will uplift. We should always do those things and speaking those things that will uplift. If this was a class and I was teaching a class and I was to say, let's grade our own papers like they used to do, which I never understood that because I always made an A. But, <laughs> but if I were to ask you to grade your own paper when it comes to how you speak and what comes out of your mouth, what would your grade be? See, that's not between me and you. You're not turning this in. This isn't on any final. But it is between you and God. And our world today, I believe that our world, more than ever, that I've seen it since I've been alive. I'm 60 now. And since I've been alive. And I know people, I can say that now that I'm sick, but now, more than ever, I believe the world needs to hear about the love of Jesus more than ever I've seen before. And now, some of you are older, and you've seen a different time, and probably you know that there was another time, but in my lifetime, I just believe that the world today needs to see the love of God from Christians more than ever before. Because what's happening is this. 
with as much turmoil that we're having in America right now, Christians are moving away from what the Word of God says, and we're starting to give our opinions on things that God probably never wanted us to give our opinions on. That's His business. And not we, when we do that, we automatically choose sides. And when we choose sides in the world, we're always going to lose. The side you need to choose is God. And you just need to love people, and you never need to be wary in doing good. God is the one that is sovereign. And God is ultimately and will ultimately be in control and have victory over the evil of this world. Our job as Christians is this, to take as many people to heaven with us as possible. And so what I want to do in a little bit of time that we have is this. I want to take three examples of Jesus. And I just want to go through this and I want to talk about what I believe Jesus did and what I believe that we have to be careful not to do. Does that make sense? And so the first one, let's turn to John 4. We're going to turn to John 4, a very familiar passage, and we won't read the whole scripture, but in John 4, you see the woman at the well. We all know that. Many of us know that. And it's the woman, and Jesus is walking through and sees the woman at the well, and she goes, and she's a Samaritan woman, and Jews were not supposed to talk to Samaritan women, and, and Jesus walks through there, and Jesus sees the woman at the well, and there's even a point in um, John 4, and I want to say it's down in like verse 19, seven, uh, she says in verse 17 of John 4, I have no husband, Jesus says you are right when you say that you have no husband, the fact is you have five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband what you have said is quite true and so she's a woman that's been married five times she's living with the person that she's married to now she's going to get water in the middle of the day either because she just forgot to go get water that morning or nobody else wants to be around her so she has to go out there because if you look later on, and we'll talk about that, if you look at what Jesus does compared to what sometimes, if we're not careful, what would happen if we become a cynical Christian. So I wrote down, I thought to myself, okay, how would a cynical Christian handle this? Well, one of the ways that a cynical Christian would handle this is the way the disciples did. And if you read uh, John 4, 1 through 40, you're going to see a scripture in there where the disciples even asked Jesus this question. You want to hear this question? Why did you even talk to her? Why did you even talk to her? Now, we all know why Jesus talked to her. Jesus talked to her so she could become a Christian. But the disciples asked, why did you talk to her? A cynical Christian may say, why are we missing, even messing with them? Why are we even dealing with this? We would say stuff like, what's he even doing with that type of woman? What's he doing around that type of woman? Doesn't he know what she's done? She came to church? I can't believe she came to church. I don't want her anywhere close to my husband. 
she needs to probably find another church. We're probably not the church for her. That's what a cynical Christian would say. But Jesus said, I got the living water. And that lady's life was transformed. And she became clean and whole again. Just like the adulterous woman that, of course, the Pharisees were using it to trap Jesus, but brought the adulterous woman out there. And Jesus said, you that have no sin, cast the first stone. Jesus was never growing weary in doing what is good and what is right. And that is loving that person. The next one that we're looking at is in Luke. And in Luke 23, so if you turn over to Luke 23, it's just a few pages over. This is the dying thief on the cross. Remember that story? Luke 23, he's on the cross, and we're looking in verse 32. I'm going to read this so you can just kind of hear what it says. Two other men, so they're on the cross, there was Jesus here in the middle, and there were two other men on each side. Okay? And Jesus says, two other men, both of them criminals, were also let out him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided up the clothes and casting lots. The people stood watching, and the ruler even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself. And he is the Christ, the God, the chosen one. Now that right there is a definition of cynicism, isn't it? The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written notice above him that read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there and hurled insults at him, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, but we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Even the man who was the criminal, and even a man that is about to die, needed Jesus Christ and recognized who Jesus was. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. So here's Jesus about to die and still his message, his main goal, his main purpose in life was to win someone to know God and to live eternity with God. And that man who was a criminal, sometimes we would say, it's about time. It's about time that guy dies. You know what he did? It's, he needs to die. Or we may say he deserves what he gets. He deserves what he gets. And yet Jesus said, today I'll see you in paradise.
See, when we're doing good the way God wants us to do good, and we're doing what Jesus wants us to do as Christians, we never grow weary in doing good, even if it goes against the norms of society, even if it goes against what we would naturally feel inside our heart. If we spend time in the Word of God and say, God, today I want you to send me out, and God, I do not want a bit of criticism or judgmental attitude or anything, cynicism to come out of my mouth. God, I just want to share your love with people. God is going to give you that strength. I believe that's his task. And then if you look in Luke 15, 1 through 10, you're going to see stories and parables. Now, we've talked about parables, and you've heard Dr. Redmond and John talk about parables, and it's really just a story. But here's the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep. Now, we're going to talk about those two. That's in Luke 15, 1 through 10. And you see in the lost coin and the lost sheep that they went ahead and they left everything that they had, the 99 sheep, to look for how many sheep? Can you one sheep. Now, that one sheep represents a lost person. And so what it's showing is that God will lose... God will leave 99 saved people just to find one lost person. That's how much God loves you. That he will leave 99 saved people to find a lost person. Can we say that about ourselves? See, I'm afraid cynical Christians says, well, we already have enough. <laughs> Our church is big enough. We can't even take care of who we have now. Or, I just, I really just don't like the way they look. Or, I really just don't like the way they smell. And yet, Jesus is saying in this parable, like with the lost coin, that there is nothing more important than the one that is lost. And so our heartstring, our heartbeat, how we live should be, it doesn't matter what else is going on in our lives. If there's a lost person out there, our heart should be to go and find that lost person. That's how God wants us to be, and that's how Jesus was. He left everything else to go find that one lost person. And then we bring that lost person back to the church and that person hears the word of God, which praise God, we are in a church that preaches the word of God. And they get saved and their life is transformed and they spend eternity in heaven. And so that's why God wants us to be very, very careful as Christians Number one, to go and win the lost people of the world. But number two, what God wants us to do is this. He wants us to take care of each other because it says never grow weary in doing good, especially with the people of the household of faith. That's why when y'all are in the hospital, we should see each other and pray for each other. That's why when somebody's hurting, you should be able to pray for them and help them. That's why we should be able to build each other up 
That's why we should care for each other. There is no place where God says we should criticize each other or be judgmental of other people in God's church. Here's the thing. If you know another person, you're not going to agree with everything they do. Amen? It's just the way life is. And so what God's saying to do is, since that's the way it is, then we should never grow weary in doing good and right, and we just love each other. We just love and care for each other. And move on and do what God wants us to do, and that is to try to win the lost people through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know sometimes it can be hard. But whatever comes out of our mouths and whatever comes out of our actions, they're here. They're in us. And if they're not doing what God wants us to do, that means there is something else that is filling us. You remember this song? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Remember that? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know, that's what we sing. But, you know, there's a lot of verses to that. I'm not going to sing them all. <laughs> but I'll tell you what it says. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you hear. And it says, be careful, little ears, what you hear. And it says, Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. We need to hear the word of God. That's not all. It says, oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. When does a children's song start convicting you? I don't understand that. <laughs> oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Hmm. Then it says, be careful, little hands, what you do. Then it says, oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little heart, who you trust. Trust the Lord. And then, be careful, little mind, what you think. Then it says, oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. So a little children's song tells us to be careful what we see, what we hear, what we say, what we do, where we go, whom we trust, and what we think. And the whole time, the Father up above is looking down in love. Because He loves you. God never intended us to live a life with cynicism. God never intended for us to live a life of criticism. God never intended us to live a life of judgmental. A man falls in a hole and the Pharisee says, 
only bad people fall in that hole. Fundamentalist says you deserve to fall in that hole. An optimist says worse things can happen than falling in that hole. Pessimist says you think that hole is bad. You should see the hole over there. But they don't do anything to help the person in the hole. Until Jesus comes by. And Jesus reaches down. And what does he do? Pulls the man out of the hole. You see, Jesus can do that with your life. And with my life. If we never grow weary in doing good by watching what we say, guarding our lips. Because our Father up above is looking down in love. And He loves you tonight. And He wants you on a path to do good for His glory and for His kingdom. And if you're here tonight and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, I'm here to say to you, that God loves you. God cares about you. He died on the cross. We just celebrated the resurrection of the Lord last Sunday to show that he conquered death, he conquered sin, and he wants to come into your heart and he wants you to become a Christian. And you can do that tonight. Let's just all bow our heads right now. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure whether you're a Christian, I'm just here to say God loves you. He wants to come to you. He wants to save you from your sin. Forgive your sins and make you a Christian. You just say this in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for coming into my heart. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive my sin and make me a Christian. Thank you for saving me, Jesus.